This is Brian Kaplovitz, and you're listening to the Speaker Match Radio Series, Success Strategies for Speakers from the Pros. This is a live show where we interview top experts in the speaking industry and business to provide emerging speakers with marketing strategies and other business building advice. If you're listening live, you can participate in this call online right now by going to speakermatch.com slash radio. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Brian Kaplovitz, your host, and our guest today is Nina G, a female stuttering stand-up comedian, disability activist, storyteller, author, and educator. She brings her humor to help people confront and understand social justice issues such as disability, diversity, and equity. Nina is part of the comedy troupe, the Comedians with Disabilities Act, which brings laughter and awareness to audiences of all ages across the country. When she isn't performing at comedy clubs like the San Francisco Punchline or the Laugh Factory, she is playing colleges and presenting as a keynote speaker to children with disabilities and training professionals. I think Nina is going to have a lot of great insight to share with our listeners today, and I'm really excited to welcome Nina on the call. Hello, Nina. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, thank you. This morning when I woke up, the speaker match song was in my head, so I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah, I I like that we have that identifiable music, and uh, I'm uh, I'm hesitant to change it because we've been using it for so long, but uh, I'm I'm glad that that was stuck in there. (laughs) Uh, so i i love this topic i I love uh, the topic speaking at colleges and how to get in because it's something that i get asked pretty regularly it's a great place to be a speaker uh audiences are uh i think generally um uh, you know pretty forgiving and a, a good place to be um tell us a little bit about uh about how you uh, stumbled upon college speaking and how that fits into your business. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing stand-up comedy for the past eight, eight years. And um, I started really doing the college stuff um, probably about four years ago. And it was shortly after I released my one-person show, Going Beyond Inspirational, which is um, a collection of stories about my experiences being a person who stutters and who has a learning disability. And so I premiered that in the Bay Area, in San Francisco. Um, And as part of that, I was doing promotion, and there was a press release that a friend of mine helped me with that was on the California Newswire, and it got picked up in a bunch of places. Um, and in front of that, I started to get college gigs. And it was something that I had wanted to do, but this was the thing that really pushed me into it. Um, so it was really great to have that uh, as a springboard. And um, and what's really great, especially as a, a stand-up comic, is, on the stage, you have to be funny like the entire time. And in college gigs, if you're doing more of a presentation, if you're sharing more of your story, the pressure's off. So, like, 
a great college gig is like an average day on stage in, in terms of the last, um, in, in terms of the last. Yeah, so it is great as a comic. So, and, and it's so much fun, and the students are usually really great, and the faculty, most of the time, they are great, too. So uh, you were doing your, your comedy act before the speaking? Yeah, yeah. So I, um, well, before comedy, um, I did a lot of teaching and a lot of training in, in disability. Um, so I've been doing that for, 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 for a, a long time. Um, and I was more in the academic world. And it's really hard to get gigs. Um, if you're not published, you know, if you don't have like a a a a a shtick, and for me, comedy was the thing that I was able to kind of merge all those things and to finally do the kind of speaking engagements and keynotes that I wanted to do. Um, so for me, having comedy really helped me to reach my goals as a speaker because it because it, it seems like a cool thing um it's especially since i am one of the few stuttering female comics in the world there is one in india and one in los angeles and and one in england but that's it um so people can really engage in that story um and so, you know, just kind of thinking for the audience how to parlay um, ways, things that you're interested in, things that you're passionate about, and maybe you go uh, another way. Because for me, as an academic, it wasn't working out. And also, I like to swear. I like to say the F word a lot. And academia... <laughs> doesn't always allow that to happen and stand-up comedy does and so finding those ways to blend to, to different parts of yourself well i had no idea that uh that stuttering female comedians were that rare i never really <laughs> thought about it but uh i'm, I'm well, gonna guess and the thing is, a similar kind of yeah yeah so um, in the stuttering world, um, there's only 1% of the general population of adults who stutter. And of that, if, the, if there are, are four of us, three are going to be men, one's going to be a woman. Um, so there's that. And I don't know what the stats are in stand-up comedy, but there's more men than women there. So it's like the minority uh, – uh, of the minorities who are doing comedy and stuttering and are women. So whatever Venn diagram that is, it's a very small intersection. <laughs> so does this all stem from a message that you're trying to share? Or are all of these things related to that uh, that general message, or is there some other connection there? Yeah, I mean, for me, what I've always been passionate about is um, having role models who have disabilities, because for me, this is something that I always share. Um, the first time that I saw a woman stutter 
uh, on TV who actually did that it wasn't fake um, or or it wasn't an actor. The very first time that I, I saw that, I was 23 years old, and I was watching the Howard Stern show on E! And he had on this hot girl who sold hot dogs out of a cart, and she wore a bikini, and she also happened to stutter. And in Howard Stern's world, that is good enough to get you on the radio. And so that was the first time that I saw someone who 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 had had spoken like me. And what I always say is that when a woman says the only place that she saw herself was on the Howard Stern show you know that the media could be doing a better job with that. And so for me, that's my background, is that I didn't see people who looked like me or who learned like me, or I, I don't want to say looked, but sounded like me uh, uh, on TV. So my experiences were reflected, and it's so important that students, uh, especially in the college years, that they have people who are like them and that they are exposed to that. And that's just not on disability, but it goes across to socioeconomics and race and ethnicity that we need to see ourselves um, so that we know who, who we're going to be. Because I didn't know what I would look like as an adult or what I would do with my speech, and we need to have those kinds of role models. So, is there a topic, a specific topic that you uh, that you speak about, or is it uh, something a little more general, motivational, something like that? Yeah. So it depends on what the school wants. Um, I think, in general, when you work with a college is to know, am I speaking to students or am I speaking more to the faculty? And I've had, um, in the past couple months, I have done both of those. So I did a training at a college in, um, in, in Southern California where they were training all of the teachers. And I went in and I talked about dyslexia and teaching techniques. Um, and it's similar in, because I will oftentimes talk about dyslexia to the students as well, um, but this was really focused on a specific thing. And so it's good to kind of know what, you're, um, what, what you can present to the two different audiences. Um, and part of my training on dyslexia is I have the audience do a, a in 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 interpretive dance of the brain where we stand up and they go through the same steps that someone who has dyslexia reads and they get it after that and it models my um, universal de design for learning um, goals um, because that is what the training's on. And for students, I sometimes do the dance and I sometimes not. So it depends what the school wants and it depends who the audience is. Um, but a lot of times it's a general one of um, people just want to hear what my story is. Um, and so I'll start off with 
a little bit of stand-up, but then I will talk about my experiences both in school as a person that has dyslexia, but then also um, talking about my stuttering experience and connecting that a lot to realizing your potential and um, and kind of questioning a lot of the internalized stereotypes that you have about yourself um, because, like I said, you don't really see yourself out there, so you start to believe those things um, that you hear that are more n negative. Let's talk a little bit about your business model. So you're, uh, you're speaking in colleges. Uh, how do people find out about you? What is your strategy for getting people to find out about you? Um, like I said, that press release that initially happened, that was awesome because it was shared everywhere, um, and I got some gigs off of that. Um, and so there was that, but then that dries up very quickly. Um, and for me, I write a little bit. I am in the process of writing a book, so I hope that that will help to pro promote me. But I have blogs on the on 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 WordPress. I have one on Huffington Post. So it depends. I write articles um, for different sites, so that kind of helps. To keep my name there but I think the biggest thing is to present at conferences and I was recently the keynote for two conferences in higher education and disability um, and I and, and and for one of those I got like five speaking engagements after that so it was really helpful that way um, and I think when you get those opportunities to ask them, can I send out a promotional thing afterwards? And it may not be that you send it out, but you send it to someone who can send it out to all of the participants so that they have the opportunity to perhaps hire you after that. And so that's been very helpful. And then also sending out a newsletter. And I... I'm not good at sending it out all the time, so I try to make it very specific when I have news. So, like when I had my first TEDx talk, I I I sent it out and promoted the talk, but also pro, promoted myself that way too. So there are different kinds of streams, and I think you kind of need to go with your strengths to, um, you know, to really find the areas that you'll be getting um, more, 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 more opportunities with. And I think also one thing that has really helped is I have a, have a LastQ pro, profile, which is a, a scheduler, and you can plug in your dates for where you're going to appear. And people look at my website, and they find me through the web, um, at ninagcomedian.com, and I have a list of my dates. People look at the dates, and they're like, oh, she's going to be in Poughkeepsie, and 
my school is right nearby, so maybe she would do do a second gig. So as soon as I get a gig, I will post it up there so that people know that I am in the area, and then that way I might be able to hit two or three schools that way. You have a lot of different ways that you are getting booked into colleges, and I'm uh, you, you mentioned that you spoke at other conferences. Are you speaking at other conferences as a way to market your services and get booked at colleges? Um, that's, that is in the back of my mind, you know. That's kind of like the evil overall plan. But um, it's also that I really love to participate in, in those kinds of things. And so even if I'm not the keynote, if it's a conference, nearby, then I will present either um, a workshop that I could do at the college, and so they get a sample of that, um, or on a particular topic, or um, I I, I did include these uh, slides on a speaker match companion that I made that you can get at through my website um, because I also present on how to pull off good, good um, presentations and and disability awareness events at colleges because sometimes at the college it will be a student life person who is bringing you in. And they know everything. This is their job is to do event planning, so they're good. But a lot of times, it may be someone from from a certain department, or it may be someone um, from a, a student's services um, place, and they and that is not their job to do events. So um, it's really important that you give them guidance there. So some of my presentations are on how to do that for the people that that isn't their job. Okay, so uh, speakers are always, you know, I guess they're always looking for, you know, how do they get booked. And uh, so this is definitely a uh, a a question is at the top of everybody's mind is just, you know, what, what kinds of things can they do and how much time does it take? So speakers want to be out there speaking. <laughs> they, they, they would much rather be in front of an audience all the time and traveling. Most of the time they like to travel. Um, but there's a lot of work involved uh, in, in staying busy when you are not on the road. And I'm sure that's true as a comedian also. That, uh, mm-hmm. that there's a lot of time that you spend not on stage. Probably the great majority of your time is not on stage. So let's hope. You 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 mentioned uh, that you you work on a newsletter. You have your website, keeping your schedule up to date there. What kinds of uh, what kinds of time do you spend thinking about marketing and uh, and getting your name in front of people yeah i mean i think it is a constant thing that you have to be thinking about that and 
for me, I kind of have a lot of things things in the back of my head, like, okay, if this is ever a hot topic, then I'm going to be on it. Um, so that if those opportunities do come, then you can seize those very quickly. And for me, I have a bunch of blogs posts. And, like, what, one of the first blog posts that I wrote was the – real reason people don't think women are funny. So that was the first thing that I wrote that I put on the web. And I know that that is something that someone is always going to say. And Jerry Lewis said it, and Adam Carolla said it. And I know someone else will be saying that. And so when that happens, boom, I'm going to already have that. So really thinking about a lot of your values and what you would want to speak out about um, and looking for, for those opportunities. And, and I think I had heard it from your podcast about help a reporter out. Was that you guys? Uh, yeah, well, so, I think we yeah. did one of those, yeah. Yeah, and so I look at that all the time. I sometimes get stuff off of that and, and sometimes don't. And that is a listing of um, reporters who are looking to talk to someone. So, And if you do anything on sex, there is a ton on there that you can get. But if you don't, then you may have to uh, scroll through and find things every once in a while. But um I've gotten some opportunities off of that where I've been quoted on articles on disability representation in film. Um, and so that is a great way to kind of think about how to get your name out there. Um, but I think it also has to be coming from a place where you're really passionate about the thing that you're talking about so that you come um, with – when you talk about this thing, it's very coherent and it comes from the heart in a really authentic way because you also don't want it to seem like you're just trying to exploit the issue. Our guest is Nina G. She is uh, talking about how to get into colleges specifically. And if you have any, uh, if you would like to participate live in this teleseminar, which we really love, um, and ask Nina a question directly, dial star 2 on your telephone keypad or click the raise hand button in your web call interface. You can also enter questions online by typing into the form at speakermatch.com slash radio. Looks like Diane has a question. Go ahead, Diane. Yes, can you hear me? We do. Yes, hi, Diane. Hello. I want to know how much you get paid to speak at colleges. <laughs> well, let's see. I, I I guess it's okay to kind of answer that, but it does vary. Um, and um, I'm not going to say exactly what I get paid, but it can range um, depending on what you do. And what I think is really important, what I really like about the question is you should know that some colleges, um, if, 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 if you charge over a certain amount, then it means that there's going to be a ton more paperwork for the school. So one school that I worked with, 
it's three thousand bucks. Um, is their limit? So if you go over that, then they're not going to want you because it's going to be a black hole of things that they have to do, hoops that they have to go through. And so having a really honest conversation with the school to see um, what those kinds of weird political things are, what kind of um, structure that they have for that. Um, in some schools, I can get a, a deposit and some not. Um, some schools I will offer a discount to, like if you're a community college in the Bay Area, then, um, you know, I am there because that is where I came from. I love community co college, and they serve a lot of students that have a disability and give them that jump start. Um, so it all depends um, where you are and where you want to go, but I think some schools might charge as much as 10 grand for for a keynote on a particular day. I have not gotten that. I would love to, though, maybe this next year. Um, but, but, but it can range anywhere from 500 to 7,000. So somewhere in between there is what I make, <laughs> okay? Okay, if I can ask one more question. Who is it that you engage to hire you? I, I, I do career coaching, and I'm a university professor. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get booked at other universities to help coach their students on how to get jobs. But I haven't figured out, in my case, would be career development, but I don't know that they have the budget. So what areas, how do you get in to find the right person who would hire you? Yeah, that is such a great question. So for career stuff, I would look, again, at the career office, like you said, also, counseling, um, I think, might be an area to go to. But student life, their job is to get the speakers on the uh, on the campus. Um, so that that is a big one. Although they, uh, no offense to to them, but sometimes I think they get kind of lazy because they go with what comes to them instead of looking for really specific speakers. So I think you would really need to frame it as, this is the thing I have, this is what I want to do, I'm really good at this, here are some testimonials, here is a, a video, and I have a video on all kinds of things, um, on, on my comedy, on my speaking, um, and, and I have um, whoa, one and a half TED Talks, so, um, because one's coming out in the next year. Um, so giving them that information so it's easy. They want it to be easy, so make it that way. Um, but also looking at is there another way to promote yourself? If it's career development, um, I might look at disclosing a disability um, and how to ask for an accommodation so that you might do a, a general session with a lot of people, but then you might do a spin-off on that too. And I have pricing where I say, okay, for this amount, you get me the entire day. I'll do trainings. I'll do presentations. Um, 
but you could also um, do one presentation and then I'll charge you an additional whatever for something else. So really thinking about how, like, everything that you can offer and tailoring it to the school and to the population that you want to get to. Um, there's also money at some schools for diversity um, uh, presentations, and oftentimes that is the funds that will bring me, me, me in. Um, so I think really looking at this uh, student population. You know, in California, there's a lot of uh, students who are first-generation college. And to me, that, like, cause the, because I had the same experience, I know that you um, don't get certain things at your home because your parents didn't go through that. And are there presentations that you could do to assist with that? All right, Diane, thank you for that uh, for that question. And I'm going to add a, just a little bit to that um, to uh, kind of uh, piggyback on what Nina said. I used to work in student services office, uh, the student services office when I was in grad school, and. Um, I can I can attest to the fact that uh, the easier you make my job, the more likely you are to to get booked. Uh, most of the people that are working in that office are students. Um, they are certainly not full time meeting planners. They don't they don't book people every day. Um, and uh, uh, you know, as as when it's your job to just find somebody. Uh, the less time you have to spend looking and dealing with uh, contracts and figuring out what people have mm -hmm. to offer and if they're available and everything else, the the better it is. So um, yeah, yeah, and, and, and just to, to add to the right that, person, then go for it. Yeah. Um, just to add to that, um, that's why I have a flyer. I had a graphic designer make one, and all the people have to do at the college is fill in the dates. That's it, um, and making that e easy because sometimes that can be a real headache. Um, so doing that, also student groups might be a possibility for some speakers, and I've been hired by different clubs uh, on a campus. Sometimes they don't have as many funds, but I wrote something on funding disability or funding disability events on on a campus, and there might be some ideas there on how to merge different um, the, the departments for sponsorship. So that might be something to look at too. And for me, I've gotten some gigs because I was the only person who called back. And so there is that aspect, too, that if you are on it, that is going to help you so much. All right. It looks like we have a lot of people with their hands up, so this is great. Uh, this caller is coming through just as PJC. Hey, how you doing? You're on the line. Hi. Um, okay. uh, my name is Pete. Hi, Pete. Yeah, um, 
so happy that uh, you guys had this call because I, uh, I recently wrote a book on college safety, and one of my goals is to obviously get in front of colleges as much as possible in order to educate the student body on safety because I'm an IT consultant that is familiar with the online safety and security, and I'm also a martial artist and self-defense instructor, so I'm familiar with all the offline safety. So I kind of have a very unique blend of skills that lend itself to a very comprehensive presentation at schools. Now, the book, The Ultimate Guide to College Safety, came out in September, and I've been using that sort of to lead with. But I'm finding that at colleges, like, they don't really offer a lot of training on, right, safety and nowhere near as the, you know, the, the level of detail that I would be able to go into for them. But they seem a little hesitant. I've been going to some of the local colleges, and they're like, well, you know, we do offer some training on stuff like sexual assault, and we talk about it a little bit. But, I mean, ultimately, I'd love to see, like, this get into, like, all the colleges everywhere even get into orientation or required curriculum or something. So I'm just wondering if you have any ideas as to how I can maybe present it so that it, it's a little bit more attractive because obviously safety is not a topic people are comfortable talking about. It. You know, we all just assume that every day is going to be the same and nothing's going to happen to us. But the bottom line is you see stuff in the news all the time. And unfortunately at high schools and colleges where there's active shooters or there's rapes or there's thefts or there's murders or there's wherever, and, uh, you know, hazing, et cetera, bullying. There's so many things that go on. So I just kind of want to get your, your your feedback on that, if I may. Yeah, I think my um, initial feedback, Pete, is to think about, like, okay, when you said, like, rape and murder and all of that, I was like, oh, my God. Um, and so is there a way to present those things that um, – makes it and so that you get people there so that you get them engaged and you talk about those things because those are really important to talk about um but packaging it in a way that doesn't scare the school because i think that is probably part of it um and right. you know, i think when you talk about your stuff every single day you're just like yeah this is just part of life for them it's not and to remember that um and maybe having five different sessions that you present to schools. So maybe one could be on hazing and bullying, and it's just that. And another might be on keeping yourself safe. Um, and also I might consider um, presenting with a woman as well, so then you could really get into some of the safety issues um, around campuses for women and I think I would love to learn some um, martial arts stuff to keep me safe and I think that would also be a really fun way to end a very serious presentation um, and maybe even going back to blogging and really promoting things in terms of the safety, like 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 here are five tips for the students that have a disability to keep them safe. And then promoting that um, on LinkedIn and on Facebook and on Twitter so that people get to know you um, and those things can lead to those uh, speaking gigs. And, and those are probably things that you already do. Um, but I'm just thinking of how to present it so that um, present the topics in a way that they're not afraid to get sued. 
because that is probably where right. some of that's coming from. Do you think that's it? Well, um, yeah, I mean, that could be. I mean, I, I also have, you know, uh, I've created basically a virtual university around it, Campus Safety University, oh. where I do post and cool. blogs and I have tips and I've been doing a lot of social media stuff as well. Um, but it's like I think the, the hardest part is getting into the schools and, Quite frankly, I mean, I had a, a what I think is a pretty good idea. I'm th- I'm trying to go after insurance companies that insure mm. colleges and say, hey, you need this material taught at those colleges that you insure to reduce and mitigate the risk, and so maybe you don't have to pay out as much in lawsuits if the if the students are safe. Yeah, that is a great idea. And also, I might look at police services. I have never seen a presentation done by police services, but that might be an interesting thing to try to get into um, because maybe that a maybe the intersection with police services and student life and maybe a, a sorority might be one of the ways to get in there. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I hope that's helpful. Yeah, no, Nina, I, I appreciate it because uh, – uh, you know, it's fairly new, and I'm trying to get in, and it's like, you know, it's hard. As you know, you, you try to build momentum and keep things moving forward. And uh, yeah. so I'm trying a lot of different avenues. And, you know, I've been getting some, some media attention and then quoting some major periodicals and things like that. So, I mean, the ball's rolling. It's just speaking and, and getting into colleges. I'd really like to be able to do that and just share with the students and even faculty, you know, hey, here's some simple things you can do to, you know, reduce your, you know, potential for identity theft. Or, I mean, I talk about everything you can imagine that, you know, with regard to online and offline safety. So it's uh, interesting. Yeah, so great. thanks for your time. I'll let you get to the next caller. All right. So, Nina, you got a couple more people with their hands raised, and I know you have a few more things on your list. Which would you like to do next? you want to take another call? Um, or, uh, I think doing yeah. the calls is a lot of fun. So Okay. Great. Uh, it looks like Michael is next. Go ahead, Michael. Hi there. So my question is, have you ever had anyone helping you to book gigs, either like a friend or family member or someone that you hired to do this? Is that something that you, well, personally would find helpful and what would be the most helpful from it? Like what would you most want them to be doing Mm. to really make sure that you're getting into these places and getting the things that you want? Um, That's a great question. I think for me, Michael, um, what – the it's a places where I have a difficult time is in uh, writing blogs. And for example, I'm writing a book right now. It's t- titled uh, Stutter Interrupted. And I have somebody who is overhauling it big time because of my own dyslexia. And so looking at what are your strengths, um, and my strengths are following up. My strengths are being a, a, a if I get an email that I call up right then and there and I will talk to them and they'll be so impressed that I called them back. Um, And so I do that interaction. Um, A lot of comedians and speakers go through this organization where you pay, you know, a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars to have, um, to um, appear in front of colleges um, at at a conference, and and they'll say, okay, here's a comic. If you want them, contact them at this place. And you have to pay them. For me, 
I make more money on my own not doing that than a lot of the comedians who have done that. And so I think um, if you hustle yourself, it is really that that's going to be the key there. But that's not exactly what you had. So let me get back to that. Um, so if you know what your strengths and your challenges are, um, and you go with that. For me, um, having someone edit, having someone write the press releases, having someone do the um, flyers, for me, all of that helps. I'm pretty good uh, on social media, but I'm not that good on really savvy ways to create a video. So I had someone do that. Um, also, I'm friends with a lot of comics. A lot of comics are starving artists. So I engage them to do certain things, like they'll collect addresses or they'll do some research or they'll proofread or they'll edit. And so looking at um, who's in your life who might need a little bit extra um, pay, pay right now and, and, and matching their skills with what you need. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks. All right. And it looks like Janice has a question. Go ahead, Janice. Hi, Brian. How are you doing today? Great. So my question is this. I speak about obesity and fitness because I have successfully kept my weight off, and I'm all. then I became a Zumba instructor, and I'm wondering if you would consider obesity a disability and if you would think that would be a good sale for college. Yeah, um, I think there there are different ways to look at it. I know that obesity is one of those gray areas, and – uh, um, it's something that I would need to look up. Now, there are um, some politicians who are trying to weaken the ADA. So um, a lot of this stuff um, kind of comes and goes where the stuttering was not considered a disability in 2007, but it is considered one now. In two years, it may not be. So there is a lot of changes through those things. And sometimes state by state, there are laws that, that will also impact that. But um, I think there's also a lot of academia around body image. And I think if you connect it to the academic piece too, so there is the piece on nutrition and there's the piece on fitness, but then there's also the piece on body image. And if you can blend those, I think that that might be very helpful um, in looking at how to um, have a positive body image and also be healthy um, and seeing where that goes and how that feels both for you but, then, but, but also for the audience too. And I hope that's helpful. Very helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Janice. But Nina, you say you have a uh, you have a press kit. Is that something different from your uh, your typical speaker kit? Um, 
let's see, it's it's for when I go to a college and there are flyers in there. There's questions that if we're going to do a Q&A, because sometimes what I like to do is a half hour of comedy and storytelling and then a half hour where somebody on the campus interviews me, um, and then we take questions from the audience. Um, and then there's also a press release in there that if schools want to use that, both for in-school, but then also for the community around them, because sometimes they want to promote outside, too, that all that's in there. Um, in terms of a speaker kit, um, I mean, I have a resume, one sheet that I have on my site, but it's not in the press kit, if that makes sense. Yeah, so they're a, a little bit different. And uh, in your, do you have recommendations or do you have a, a checklist for speakers about what to put into uh, a speaker package? You know, speaker. Um, I, I I don't know what you're uh, what you call it. Um, <laughs> I should know. Well, I, I, do you have a uh, a packet of material, a speaker packet uh, that you uh, that you submit? You have a checklist for that and a checklist for uh, the right things to put in your press kit? Yeah. Um, I mean, just take a look at my press kit. I put it on com under the speaker match companion so people can take a look at that. So please feel free. Um, in terms of a speaker kit that I send out, um, all I do is I send out my book, Once Upon an Accommodation, which is a children's book about how to advocate. And when someone contacts me, I will say, oh, thank you so much for contacting me. I hope to work with you. And I send them a book. I send them some postcards. I have some buttons that say, uh, I stutter. You'll just have to not interrupt me for all my brilliant ideas. So I send them some of those things that, that kind of express how I convey my mission. Um, but I don't necessarily send them a one-pager or any of that stuff. But what I do say is if you need anything else, if you need a resume, if you need um, specific objections, because um, sometimes schools are trying to get to a certain goal, and the objections, or, or I'm sorry, the objectives, objectives that they have fit into what you're trying to do. So a lot of schools are trying to do outreach to a particular student population. You are part of that if you can touch on some of those issues. Okay, great. It sounds like you have a, a quite a bit of material that you have available for offline uh, marketing purposes as opposed to just doing everything online. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have swag, um, so, um, which are the books and the buttons, um, and, and, and that I also sell after college shows. So that's also another source of income. It's not a big source. Um, but it is something that does help. So. Okay, and uh, yeah, we're we're a I am a big fan of offline marketing. I think that it just makes such a difference 
if you are looking to get booked as a speaker, it puts you in a whole other class of speaker because the great majority, I would bet 99% of speakers today are submitting materials online, you know, an email, mm -hmm. link to a website, uh, they have things on social media, um, they have a, a downloadable one sheet, um, but it just doesn't have the same impact as getting something in the mail, uh, something physical yeah. that you can hold and show to other people and have at a conference table or uh, in any other number of ways. So I think it's great that you're doing that, and I, I am sure that that has uh, definitely impacted the success you've had as a speaker. So speaking about that, um, where is the money at in your business model? Is it primarily speaking fees? Is it through selling your swag? Um, are there other ways, uh, you know, the services that you have that are generating income on the back end? Um, well, I do have a day job, so that's always important uh, as a comedian. So, but but I do make a, a significant amount as a speaker too. Um, and I think for me, it's the speaking fees is my big part of it, and um, and making sure that I can cover my expenses with the speaking fees because it's not only the speaking fees when you go and fly, you know, the fees cover flying and hotel. Oh, and that's one thing that I wanted to talk about is schools don't want you to say, okay, you can pay for my hotel and my airfare and the shuttle and the car and blah, blah, blah. They just want a flat fee. So just tell them 3000 for everything. Um, and then you'll take care of everything else. So making sure that you're covered there. But for me, I am writing a book, so I need to pay for e editors. I need to make sure that I can cover those things that I also have. Um, if I'm doing a video and I need someone to do the editing, that I make m money over and above that. Um, and that's also where... There are certain times of the year where I am working at my day job less. I can have a little more flexibility on the gigs that I do um, and maybe make a little bit extra instead of, uh, uh, of a lot extra there. Um, so just that's kind of how I do that. But it's mostly from the speaking fees and a little bit on the book and a little bit from these other things here and there. We have a question uh, submitted online. Um, this listener wants to know, is it better to email the student activities director or talk to them over the phone or make a live appointment, in-person appointment? Um, if you can do an in-person appointment, that would be awesome. Um, I, I'm not sure if that can happen, but I might email and call at, at the same time, like I was going on a trip and I was trying to promote to some colleges and I was successful um, a teeny bit, but not a lot. But what I did was I had emailed them and then I called them up. Um, I also called them up on a Friday afternoon. So that could also be why I didn't get, get a hold of them. So kind of also thinking strategically like, okay, 
Tuesday morning is probably a good time to call where they've gotten through all their emails, they've probably settled in, and they might pick up their phone then. So thinking about that kind of stuff too. Okay, we have a couple questions uh, back to uh, back to payment issues. Do you get paid a deposit up front, and how do oh, you collect payment? So the, how do you collect it would be a, uh, you know, is it electronic? Do you get a check uh, sent in the mail? So schools, okay, so the good thing is is that schools are good for it, usually. Good for it almost all, all the time. Um, but... They are very inconsistent. Um, sometimes they can do a, a, a deposit and sometimes not. Sometimes you will get paid that day, and I always ask for the payments that day. But I also know, like, some of the schools in California, you're not getting paid that day. Um, and so I just know that they're good for it, and I check in with them, and I make sure that they have my W-9 because they almost all need a W-9. Um, and I send it right away because um, there's going to be a there's going to be a lull, lull, lull there, um, so uh, making sure that you're on it. But electronically, I don't think that I've ever been paid electronically. So schools are still pretty much stuck in the uh, the <laughs> era of sending checks. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. And you never you never go you never um have had an issue or you you don't take the approach that you don't speak until you have the check in your hand. I don't because with a lot of colleges it's just not going to work. So Okay. And I trust them. I have never had a bad experience there. I've had a long experience where maybe it's taken up to a month or so or 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 a little bit more um but yeah is there a best time of year to ask colleges to get on their schedule yeah i think right now is a great time right now being where are we we are in april because they might be planning for programming in october nothing really happens in september because Nobody's planned anything yet. Um, a, a lot of times, for example, counselors might be off in the summer, so they're not getting anything done then. Um, but it's good to have a speaker planned out for the, for the fall so that you're already on it. No one's going to say, oh, it's Disability Awareness Month, and what are you doing? And, oh, and this is another thing is I personally think that Disability Month, um, which is in October, I think that should be every month, and I think African American History Month should be every month, and I think Women's Day should be every day, and all of that stuff. But until that happens, I think that us as speakers can look at when those days are and to let people know, like, hey, Dyslexia Awareness Day is this day, I do the speaking on this, if that's something that you would like to celebrate at your school. What would you say the biggest mistake you've made is in relation to speaking to colleges? Um, the biggest mistake, I think um, 
Oh, I'm sure there's so many. <laughs> I I think. Or just I, I to, think, to reframe it, or a common mistake that you yeah. see other speakers making when they're trying oh, to speak okay. at colleges. Well, How about I'm that? Sure, I'm sure there's plenty that I could also say about myself. Um, I think for me, making assumptions of of okay. So when I first started to do this, there were times when I was presenting to like four people there. And the and and they brought me in and they paid me, but there's only four people in the audience, and they're all friends. And so I started to feel really really bad about the low attendance. Um, and it's something like I'm a little bit of a control freak, but not that bad. But enough that I was like, this is somehow my fault. It was probably all those years of Catholic school and being Italian and all of that. Like this is somehow my fault, and that's why I developed these guides to help them pro promote their events because you can't think that they're going to know how to do that. And that is partially why I suggest really, really, really a lot that when I come to a school that they have a certain class or two that is coming in, whether that's in psychology or child development or speech and language or something that connects to my presentation, so it's guaranteed that there's butts in the seats. And I tell them that all of that information and give that to them as a resource, and I ask if there's anything I can assist with, just because I don't want a bare room based on what I did. Okay, uh, a couple more questions here. Um, all colleges are not the same. Is there a category or segment to the college market that is better, especially for compensation? Mm, um, you know, I have found, at least in California, that community colleges are a lot more open than the CSUs and the UCs, and that's like the SUNYs and the what in New York, oh, like the CUNYs and the S-U-N-Y's there, um, uh -huh. it's, it, it's a similar kind of system out here, um, that the community colleges, they bring in a lot more speakers. They really want diversity in a different way that the CSUs and the UCs want that too, but sometimes it comes from a very academic place and not from a motivational speaker kind of place. So if you have something that is really authentic to the population of that school, I think that works out really well. Um, in terms of compensation, it varies so much. I think it depends a lot on the grants and the funding of the school. Um, it could be that they got a special grant to address a certain thing, and that's why they're bringing you in. Um, and for example, the California community colleges, each of them has to have an equity plan, and they're all online. And some schools, um, or all of the schools had to look and see what population a, a student wasn't doing well in their program, and then they needed to beef up their services to address that population. And it's not to say that, you know, I go and then all the students with a disability graduate that year, um, but it does help to contribute to a culture 
of uh, understanding both for the faculty and for the, the students. So I might look toward that because I think a lot of times people think like, oh, yes, this really prestigious school is going to have all the funds they made to bring in bell hooks or, you know, some super famous person. But um, a lot of us are not at that level yet. Um, and and we need to find the places that will hire us and that are more interested in the stories that we have to offer. One last question. Is there anything that you do to increase the odds or guarantee getting asked back? You know, for colleges, um, I think for me personally is that I can talk to the faculty or I can talk to the students. Um, and for me, because they're not going to have me come and talk every single year because they've already heard me. Um, and students, um, you know, filter through every four years. So I wouldn't count on it every four years for this exact same gig. But if you can talk to the faculty and the students, then I think if they know that you're not a flake you, and they know that you're not going to mess up and say anything that will get them fired, that that relationship builds. And reconnecting with those people is a, is super important. And, like, when my book comes out, I'm going to send everybody who has ever hired me books so that they have that and that also to, to thank them for their continued work um, with the people that I really care about. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today, Nina. Before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to uh, to share some closing words of wisdom with our listeners. You know, I think what I want to say is a lot of people have the stories that they can share, um, and that personal piece is sometimes what is missing from academia that sure, we know the statistics and we know theories, but for those of us who are a manifestation of those, it's really important for us to share our stories because there's a lot of students who need to hear us. Um, and I really encourage you all to find what your stories are and hopefully get paid while you're at it. So thank you so much. <laughs> Well, thank you. I want to let our listeners know that if you listen to other podcasts, you're probably used to hearing requests for iTunes reviews, and these reviews are really important to us because they are what we use to bring on great guests and build our audience. And if you value today's call or any previous interviews that you've listened to, I would really appreciate it if you could take just a few minutes to go onto iTunes, search for Speaker Match, and click the Review tab to let others know what you think. It would really mean a lot, and we would appreciate it. Until next time, this is Brian Kaplovitz. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this installment of the Speaker Match radio series, Success Strategies for Speakers from the Pros. 
SpeakerMatch is the leading provider of tools and services for emerging professional speakers. You can find more information about SpeakerMatch at www.speakermatch.com. Our toll-free number, if you prefer to reach us by phone, is 1-866-372-8768. International callers can reach us at area code 512-372-8768. Thank you again for listening, and we wish you the best in your speaking career.